0: Congregation, be still and know that I am God. What does that mean? Be still and know that I am God. Does that stillness mean that we don't criticize the Lord? Certain things are going wrong, we think. We're upset and angry with the Lord. The Lord says, be still. And know that I am God, that I reign. Or does it mean something else? Be still, be in awe, be quiet, just be stunned, be dumbfounded, be amazed, so you don't have the words to utter. I think that also means, right? Psalm 46 be still and know that I'm God may that be true this morning listening to the Christmas message that you just come to that place of being still nothing to say but that you also may see that he is God that true humility and also that joy in that stillness be still, be quiet and revere the Lord That is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what we are asking for. The text is the well-known verse 7 of Luke 2. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in southern clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So far. The infant Christ. The infant Christ. Three thoughts. The birth of Christ. Secondly, the beauty of Christ. And in the third place, being clothed with Christ. The infant Christ, the birth of Christ, the beauty of Christ. And being clothed with Christ. And it came to pass in those days. That is such an important beginning of chapter 2. It doesn't say, once upon a time. No. It's not a fairy tale. It is something that happened. It's real, so that's why it begins with "It came to pass in those days." That is why we read of real people, about Caesar Augustus and Serenius, and about Mary and Joseph. They real people. It was history. So not once upon a time, it's not a fairy tale, it's not a myth, it's not some fantasy, it is something that happened. She brought forth a firstborn son. An earthly decree had been issued for all to return to their original family birthplaces Caesar Augustus wanted to register his people. Being taxed, it is to be registered. So they had to go back to their hometown, and they had to fill out the forms, or they probably did it for them. They were probably illiterate. And so Caesar Augustus would know about how many people, how many males and females and children and farmers and he had in his country. Caesar Augustus did not realize that he was but a tool in the hands of the Lord. That the Lord had decided him to have that census issued, so that Joseph may be ending up in Bethlehem. It was the Lord's will. Caesar Augustus was the successor of Julius Caesar. And he called himself Augustus. Augustus, that means the Supreme One, the Majestic One, the Elevated One. He felt God himself. And he was also celebrated as God. He was not that August. The real August was the Lord Jesus. He was the one. And he was led to Bethlehem. So does fulfill the fight in Micah 5. But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. See? So we see, children, young people, we see them traveling from Nazareth going south over the mountains into the direction of Jerusalem, and a little further south was Bethlehem. They probably went on foot, and it took them a few days, but it was fine. The weather was not that bad. It's a Mediterranean climate, no snow, very little, no freezing. So that was fine. And Joseph took his wife along, although it was not mandatory that he wanted her to be with him. So they went together in God's providence up to Bethlehem. Because Joseph was from the lineage of David, and David was from Bethlehem, right? Right? So we see Joseph and Mary entering the village of Bethlehem. According to the theologian Albright, it was a hamlet of only three hundred people. Maybe true, very small village, and it was very busy in that little town. No wonder, because many citizens needed to travel and to stay somewhere it was mandatory to be registered in the census. So there was in Bethlehem at least one inn. A caravanserai, a caravan inn, a khan, K-H-A-N. And a caravanserai was a roadside inn that travelers could rest and recover from their journey often located along the rural roads in the countryside. However, urban versions of caravans' rise are also historically common in cities. So in Berkeley was also one of those caravans' rice. But the inn was full. No vacancies. What now? Was the room in the animal quarters, downstairs? Or did they leave the place and were they wandering around in the area to find the place where they could stay? Did they find a cave or a stable or were they yet in the cabin's ride and then downstairs in the animal quarters? We don't know, but what we know is there was a manger there. There was no luxury maybe straw and hay to sleep on, but utterly simple, very basic, no furniture, no curtains, no draperies, no carpet. And prayer, it happened. Be still. And know that I'm God. There was, this was the speck in the enormous universe on Earth, in Bethlehem. In the middle of the universe, there are stars and planets and galaxies and nebulas. The Savior came and was born. He was co-creator himself. He also made the heavens and made the Earth as well. And he was the one now entering into his own creation. So God, out of God, born of God, entered into the reality of creation. The long-promised Messiah, he, the Word, is becoming flesh. This was promised in the Old Testament and the decided upon in eternity. And he was born. Nobody could possibly stop that. It was God's will. It was his will. He I am to do the will of God. So nobody could stop them. Not, not Satan. Not people. Nobody. Could. And she brought forth her firstborn son. A wonder. Here the word becomes flesh. Here it is fulfilled we defined in Titus 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. So he has come to appear to all men, to all mankind. This earth was cursed because of sin. Mankind was lost. The gulf was wide, but Lord Jesus yet came in the flesh. He has come. But don't forget, this is only the beginning. We can celebrate Christmas and think about it and have the highest thoughts about it, but it's only the very beginning of the work of the Lord Jesus, it was not the end. In itself, was the birth of Jesus absolutely insufficient. It was only, I say it again, only the beginning, only the first step. Because when you look at the child, do you see that little head of the Lord Jesus? There will be a, a crown of horns on the head, someday. You see those little hands of the Lord Jesus in the manger? Those exact same hands will be pierced by nails. You see the beautiful skin of that baby? Baby skin? He will sweat blood with that skin. Do you see him breathing? In and out, do you see the heartbeat? That they'll stop someday. He will be crucified. And that is why he came. He came to be crucified. He did not come to just live on earth and to be an example on earth and to preach and do miracles. No, he came to obey the law in passive, inactive obedience, but also in passive obedience. And why did this all have to happen? Well, he was going to restore what people had ruined. You know, that sometimes happens, right? That people in business or at home ruin something and someone else can clean it up. And so mankind has ruined everything. And the Lord Jesus comes to clean it up, to restore. Well, we have ruined, not only to be an example, but to be the replacement, the representative, the second Adam. Remember Adam? Adam represented us people, as mankind. His sin will be our sin, right? And he sinned, so we sin in him, with him. They're guilty because of Adam's sin as he represents us. But the Lord Jesus is the representative of his church. And he came. He made the world. He created us people. He is the I am as well of Exodus 3. I am that I am. The world rebelled against the Lord. And yet, the Lord gives his son God is personally holy, not an it, not just a power, with absolute reality, and God entered into this world. You know why? You all know John three sixteen. But let's go one verse further. John three seventeen. For God Sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. No wonder if he would have come to destroy, to condemn. But the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem not in order to condemn the world, but to save. People from their sins. To save not only from loneliness and emptiness that is minor compared to the real problem, it is God's wrath. We need to be saved from, no, not from death, not from guilt, not from sin only. We need to be saved from God. God was so disappointed, was so angry with sin, was such a vengeance in the Lord. So he came to save people and to stand to bridge that gulf, be still and know that I am God. He came as the eternal king. He came as the chief prophet. He came as the only high priest was born, the Lord did not have to do this. was not his duty, not mandatory at all. But he did it, and he gave his only son. The father was willing to do that. And the son was willing, and the Holy Spirit was willing. Here in the manger was the sinless child, the Almighty God, the most compassionate one. The time was fulfilled. Mary delivered her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swollen clothes, and the best place they could get the infant was the manger, the trough for the animals. And those believed in him and called his name Jesus, as the angel had commanded. And may believed in it. Do we? Two Corinthians eight. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. We are poor spiritually poor, without God in the world. But he came to also save those poor ones that through his poverty they may become rich. Are you rich through him? Well, a contrast. A dirty place, poor circumstances, and the Son of God descended. He was not born in Jerusalem. No, not in Jerusalem, not in the royal palace. His birth was not announced in the country. There was no press, no nationwide celebration. But look here in this tale, and be still. I know that I am God. this child was born and was the birth not humbling? Well in itself being born is not bad, is it? Becoming a human is not bad in itself, is it? When Adam and Eve were born were made by the Lord with, with a body, is that bad? Is it bad to such a body and soul No. And the Lord Jesus, where is his body right now? If I may ask. His body is in heaven. Right? He ascended. The same body is not in heaven. So if having such a body was humbling, then he would have let that body go. He would not have taken that body into heaven at all. He would only ruin it but the Lord Jesus took upon himself a body and kept that body because it was a glorified body. It was a body that he took along to heaven. But on earth, before his resurrection, that body was also a vulnerable body. It was A body subject not to sin, but subject to the consequences of sin. He could die. He was mortal. And he took of himself a mortal body so that he could die if he wanted to. He was not a victim. It was his personal choice. He became equal. To his brethren, in all things, sin accepted. You see the child in the manger? He did it to himself. He was not passive in his birth, but active. Our babies cannot help it to be born. And it was not their choice, but Christ had promised to come, decided to come. And said, so then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will. O oh my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. See, he lost it. it was his will. He wanted it. He had a desire to do this. And what motivated him then? Well, he loved his father so much. And he loved his church so much. He had to do this. He wanted it. Or oh, I may preach you the born Savior. We can be saved. And he qualifies as the perfect one. He can save lost sinners, lost ones by his perfection. Be still and know that I'm God. Brings to the sacred heart the beauty of Christ. Look at the child in the manger. What a beautiful child that is. All children are beautiful, right? And we can look for hours at our babies. So well formed. The, the nails, the spotless skin, the thin lips, the eyebrows, everything. Everything is beautifully designed. And when they smile for the first time, what a joy to see your child smile. What a beautiful thing it is. But then they go up. And they appear sinners. All the seeds of sin are in there. And soon the seeds will be plants. And there are the seeds of greed and jealousy and hostility. And children can hurt one another and can ruin things for one another. The most beautiful children are Talked about in Psalm 51. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So our children are not that beautiful. Outside, oh yes. We we, we, we adore that. We are amazed. But on the inside, no. Job 14. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. But this child is beautiful. And she forth her firstborn son. He was so beautiful inside. Compared also to Job 15. What is man that he should be clean and he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous? There's nobody righteous. Romans five, that for as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. See? Look at the contrast between this child and us. Christ was beautiful on the inside. He knew no sin, had no experience with it. No desire for him. It did not attract him at all. Not even one sin. Not even the smallest one. He was not shaped in iniquity. He was not conceived in sin. He was the holy one. Look at the child and be still. And know that I am God. Being 12 years old, he was well-versed in the Bible and taught the scribes, was subject to his parents. He was obedient, had no sin. And at his baptism, we hear the Father speak. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, And behold a voice out of the cloud which says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. The child in the manger, the Lord says, Hear ye Him. Look at Him. Be still. And don't comment. And seek all your salvation only in Him. For certain high priest became us, who is holy. We are not. Harmless. He's harmless. Did you His child in the manger is harmless. We are not. Nobody is. But he is harmless. He was undefiled. We have spots and wrinkles and pollution. But he was undefiled, separate from sinners, so different from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, exalted by the Lord. Oh, which of you convinced me of sin, he said. He had no sin. He had no sin. Have you seen the beauty of Christ? which you convince me of sin. And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Pontius Pilate did not find fault in him, in him neither his father. Or what a difference between this child and us. We were like him in paradise, but we rebelled. Not anymore. This child... It's beautiful. It's whole. It's loving. He is humble. He's helpful. He's so friendly. He's so faithful. He's so obedient. He's so wise. He's so beautiful. The beauty of holiness is on him. Remember, children... That he need a substitute, that he needs someone take our place. He is the one. Be still and know that I am God. Carregation is something ugly, something polluted and dirty, can yet look beautiful if you cover it with something. If you have a stain on the carpet, you can put a rug on top of that. So nobody is seeing what's under the rug. When you have some holes in your shirt, you can take a coat on, nobody sees it. And so we all saw a spiritually fire. And we need to be covered with something. We need to be covered with the righteousness, with the holiness of the Lord Jesus. The coat is not only to keep warm, but also to cover. Now it is a good thing if we have discovered our spoiled garments that are in need of such a coat that is the first step to salvation to realize I need to be covered. I am not covered. I'm, I'm exposed to the wrath of God. The Lord sees me. The Lord needs to send me away and say, go, depart from me. And you see your vileness, and you try to fix it, and you can't. Are you still doing that? Do you still try to look good to God? So you do your best and you go to church and you behave and you sound and you are conservative and you are evangelical and you are doing this and that. Or oh, it is something that's in our system, right? To qualify and to look at ourselves instead of depending upon the Lord Jesus. It is so against our nature. It's so humbling. Mary and Joseph wrapped the child in clothes, in swaddling clothes. That was normal, those days. And Lord Jesus had also be wrapped in those clothes not to cover any sin, not to make him look good, not at all. But we need to be wrapped In his holiness, yes. Christ needs to be our Savior. His obedience needs to be around around us. We need to be wrapped in his holiness. We need to be wrapped in his righteousness, in his sinlessness. And that is why the Lord Jesus is so beautiful. Because he wants sinners to look beautiful. He wants sinners to be covered with His righteousness so that they are the coat of His salvation. So we need to become aware of our need. We need to see the problem. And if you don't see the problem, then we cheer and, uh, uh, at Christmas Day. you are happy. It's just a beautiful day. Family visits and meetings and gifts, and you name it. But if you don't see the problem, then we are so shallow, we just don't don't see it, it goes over our head. So we need to see our sins, we need to be lost. So we begin to seek the shepherd. To follow him, to receive the directions of him, we need to know to be sick. so we need that physician. he's the physician in the Lord Jesus. The physician came when he was born. We need to know if they are rebels, so we need a mediator to stand in between and this child in the manger is that mediator. We need to discover how vile we are so that we seek a purifier, the Lord Jesus Christ. Or we need a Savior. And our situation is worse than many think. Many think along this line it's dark in the world. It's fairly dark. I can't see. I hope the light will come. And show me the Savior. It is too bad. It's so dark. Anything wrong with that? Yes. That is not biblical. Nobody is blind against his will. Nobody is blind against his will. There's nobody saying, blind, that I don't want to be blind. Doesn't happen. Does not exist. Because we have no free will to do good. But we have a free will to do evil. It is our will. It's our will to re- to, to resist the Lord. It's our will to reject Him. It's our will not to believe in Him. It's our will not to repent. It's our will. John three verse nineteen. And this is the condemnation that light is. Come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. See? The deeds are evil. So we, we like the darkness. We hate the light by nature. And therefore we need to know Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Again, does that refer to you as well? Galatians three twenty-seven. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. See it called have. Put on Christ. Be still and know that I am God. To put on Christ. To stand there, vile and polluted in your shame. Spots and wrinkles and dirt. the, The dirt everywhere. And someone shows you the garment of the Lord Jesus. And someone says, Put on Christ. And then by God's grace to put him on. Did you do that? Did you by God's grace put on Christ? That is Christmas. And the Lord Jesus, he was born in such a beautiful way. no sin and his garment is so beautiful so separate from sinners so innocent and you really look at if you put on Christ Isaiah 61 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall be joyful in my God For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As the bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as the bride adorneth herself with a jewels. Oh what a joy. That's that's Christmas joy. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Because he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Salvation garments. There are salvation garments available. Here in the Bible. Salvation garments. You need to have him on. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. There's a robe of righteousness that can hang around your shoulders. Romans 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not a vision for the flesh, to fulfill the lusts thereof. See, that is the, the true joy. It may have those garments. I was reading a book about the concentration camps in Amersfoort in Holland, and was a minister there, and he also ministered to the inmates, he himself being also a prisoner. And on Christmas Day, they just told a story on the top of uh, a few of those bunk beds, and it was, was forbidden, but there were yet 10, 20 people together, and they just whispered the gospel, and they whispered the birth of the Lord Jesus. And some of them said, We have never we never had such a special Christmas. I understand it now. So there is, there is, there is such Difficult circumstance and suffering and not enough food and cold and being beaten and you name it. And they had had Christmas. Like Paul and Silas in prison. I had to think about them. And they sang glory to the Lord. Right? They had kind of, kind of Christmas in prison in Philippi. And they sang, and the prisoners heard him. They heard him sing, let me say, the Christmas song the Christmas song. Or think of Daniel in the lion's den. Or think of Jeremiah, who was so sad because the land was occupied, and the city destroyed during the war. He was first angry with God, but Now he was angry with himself, a beast before God. And he was kind of singing about God's faithfulness. Be still and know that I am God. So what do we need it for? What do we need those garments for? What do we need the beauty of Christ for? 2 Peter 3. Therefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Beloved, seeing that you look for such things, are you looking for such things, being diligent, being serious about, being found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, being found by God? when you die, right? The Lord will find you. you find us. We die. And at that time... But he find us in peace and without spark and blameless. I would say, think about that. Think about your death. Think about the time that you need to depart from here. And that's reality. Don't push that away. Don't deny that. And seek to be without spark. And blameless through the covering righteousness of this garment of salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, being born in Bethlehem to do exactly that thing, who did not come to condemn the world, but the world by him might be saved. Or think of Ephesians 5, verse 27. That he might present it to himself, Lord Jesus, present the church, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spark or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You can be, you can be cleansed. You can be washed. Maybe you feel kind of... Not me. My sin is sticking to my soul like tar. I can't be saved from my sins. He can cover it with the robe of his righteousness. He can make a church having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. How does that feel? Do you know something about that? Have you experienced and believed that you have no spot, no wrinkles, not any such things anymore, but that you are clean in Him, putting on Him His garment of righteousness? Any sinners among us this morning? Anyone who needs a Savior? Anyone who is devastated? I don't know what to do anymore. Put on Christ. You may look get that, but I have to say, it. do it. Put him on. Put him around you, and let him clothe you with his garment so that you may be whole, so that you don't have sin left. 1 Peter 3, verse 4, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. A little different. Also in holiness, also in obedience, beginning to resemble the Lord Jesus. Be still. Be still. Stop reasoning. Be still. Stop arguing with the Lord. Be still criticizing. Be still means let go. Be still means it's in Him. It's not in you. Let Him do it. Be still. And let Him be done. Don't reject me, Lord Jesus said. Don't criticize me. Don't know it better than me. Be still. And know that I I am God. Amen.